It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Howard, happy Friday. How you doing? I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Oh, we have you now. There you are. Howard, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. It's it's kind of weird. You know, each Friday comes and goes, and we talk to you about the red-hot Utah Jazz, and I figure one of these weeks we'll talk maybe about a, a dip or a bump in the road or something, but yet here we are, 22 wins out of 24 games. It's They're just not slowing down. Um, and, you know, a, a lot's going in their favor. I think they've been, you know, healthier than than recent years and i think they've been healthier than some of their competition which helps too and they just have a formula that's working really well for them and you know uh until we see otherwise now of course you know i have to bring this up the one asterisk in this streak is going to be they beat the lakers not at full strength and as you guys know you know my my ultimate gauge because I, I like to just spoil everybody's fun, is it's, it, nothing is going to matter until we get to the playoffs. Now, I've, I've played both sides of this on your show. I have said we should just enjoy what they are right now, and I believe that. Um, but every time, and I was just on another national show where they were asking, well, how legitimate are the Jazz? And I said, well, they're legitimate. They're, in the dis- they're, they're, they're right there. They're in discussion. They're undeniable. They've been phenomenal. They've been dominant. Um, but everybody's still going to view them with a certain amount of skepticism or or just curiosity because it's still about can you get through the teams that are considered the elite teams, the other elite teams. And they're built differently, so it's natural to wonder. So when it comes to this streak, as I've told you guys, like I think the number of high-quality teams they've beaten along the way underscores the legitimacy of it. You know, anytime you win 22 or 24, whatever it is, they're – it means something anyway. But I thought like, the Rockets did it once. Like, what was that streak they had? Some crazy streak like this where I think Yao and Tracy McGrady were both hurt, and they were just doing it with this total scrappy cast. But that wasn't a team that we considered – that we took seriously, but they, they ran off a bunch of wins. This Jazz streak has legitimacy in part because of the competition they have beaten along the way. But we will, we are still going to ask ourselves the question – what are they going to do in the postseason when it comes time to trying to beat the Lakers, especially, and maybe even the Clippers? And, you know, uh, unfortunately, the game the other night does not answer any questions because Anthony Davis and Dennis Schroeder weren't there. You know, it's funny because we wonder these same things, Howard. And that's one of the reasons we love having you on is because you've never, you don't just say something to be nice or whatever. You say what you really believe. And so we appreciate the fact that you're looking at it, but we look at it that way too. It's kind of like, hey, this is new for us too. We didn't expect the Jazz to be 26 and 6 at this point and to win 22 or 24. Uh, this, we're, we're all experiencing this together, but there are some voices out there that are saying stuff like, oh, aren't the Jazz adorable? You know, uh, th- 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 there's some of that stuff going on. And I, I think this t- team deserves more than that. But uh, two things I wanted to ask about right off the bat. The first one was, that: do you put any any credence into the, the 10.1 differential in scoring that this team – I mean, not only is this team beating teams, but they're beating them handily – and and well, let's just throw lob that one out to you first. What, does that mean anything? Yes, it absolutely does. The analytics guys will tell you that uh, 
point differential, whether it's the the per game differential, which is as you noted, is plus ten point one, or the net rating, which is you know per one hundred possessions, which is is right in that same range, nine point nine, also leading the league right now. The Jazz with a nine point nine net rating. Second place is is the Bucks at a distant seven point eight per one hundred. So that's a healthy margin. Yeah. Um, it, it, it that is sometimes more meaningful than wins and losses because you can have some some fluky you know games along the way, and your your differential will often track very closely with projected or or expected wins um, based on a formula. So. Um, if 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 they were leading the league in win loss, but the net rating was half of that because they won some fluky games along the way, the analytics guys would tell you eh, that net rating does not support the win loss total. There's going to be a regression to the mean here. They're going to come down a little. That's not the case with the Jazz. They're 26 and six with the best net rating in the league, which I think would indicate that their their record is who they are. The second part of it, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned it that they're different. This team is different. It plays a different style of basketball, and that could be really good or it could be questionable, I guess. What do you make of the way the Jazz are doing it, and do you think it is an advantage for them, not just in the regular season, but uh, guessing ahead to the playoffs? This is the where it's really hard to, to kind of make a definitive judgment because two things. We've seen a Milwaukee Bucks team dominate the regular season and fall flat the last couple of years in the postseason. We've seen that Atlanta Hawks team that we looked at as like, oh, wow, they're better than some other parts, and none of these guys are superstars, but it was, you know, it was Millsap and Teague and Corver and um, this, this and Horford and this nice cast around them. And, and, you know, some of those guys got all-star nods just based on the strength of the Hawks being the better than some of their parts, and they were never all-stars again. And... This Jazz team, I think, is higher quality than that. You know, Rudy Gobert's uh, a better. I think they're different. He's different than Al Horford, but Rudy Gobert on on, on balance is better than than, than Horford, and and Donovan Mitchell is better than than you know Teague or Corver was for that. Like, so I don't mean to to analogize them to teams that fell apart in the postseason after strong regular seasons. It's just that sometimes you can have everything work right for you and have everybody um, be in perfect sync. But when you get to the postseason and the game changes a little bit, it slows down a little bit, and superstars, the, 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 the value of a superstar who can create out of thin air becomes bigger. Now, Donovan Mitchell can do that, but not at the level of a LeBron James or a Kevin Durant. And, and so you wonder, and I think that's maybe where, if I'm going to try to like re- figure out what the heck Shaq was trying to, to say a month ago, um, maybe it was that. You know, and I think I said this on your show then. Like, maybe he just doesn't see him in that same strata. Well, that's no insult. There's like, very few people are in that strata with Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, right? Like, that's you know, that's the rare air. And so, what's their strength right now is that, especially offensively, instead of having a bunch of elite scorers or elite creators, they've got one in Donovan Mitchell and a bunch of guys who benefit from the fact that they move the ball and they read each other brilliantly. And so defenses are constantly off balance with having to figure out all five men at once, essentially. Whereas other, you know, championship caliber teams are usually built around a superstar or a couple of them. So which wins out in the end? Like, that's the question. And as you guys know, I am all in favor of the idea that somebody figures out a way to win it differently. 
as the Detroit Pistons did in 2004. That's the team we always all cite, right? They beat Shaq and Kobe and Carl Malone and Gary Payton. But that's a very, very rare occurrence in this league. Well, with that in mind, uh, Howard, I want to play you a clip from from Chris Mannix earlier in the week talking about Rudy Gobert. And, of course, I know that uh, you and Chris have a a podcast together, and I believe he said something similar uh, when he was talking to you. But I want to get your your reaction to this clip. Go ahead, Austin. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Who is more important to the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell? It's tough. It's a coin flip. And they both do different things for that team, which is great for the Jazz. You can make an argument both ways. But this might be the year where you give Rudy – a bit of the edge. We were having a discussion, Howard Beck and I, about MVP, and I, I think Gobert has been like a top five MVP guy this year. He's been unbelievable. Not just the usual defensive stuff, but screen setting, creating space for his guys to operate with those big screens, rolling off them, just the little things that often don't show up on the statue. Every time I'm watching Jazz games, like he's doing something that's impactful on the offensive end. He's doing a little bit of everything out there, and it's really powered this Jazz start. What do you think, Howard? I, I think that I hear enough Chris Mannix in the course of a week that I don't need to come on your show and have you su- subject me to yet more Chris Mannix. I mean, thought about but, that. Dang it. You know, that's, that's all right. That's all right. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll endure. Um, listen, it's a difficult thing, and I think you guys asked me last week, too, about, you know, well, who's the MVP of the Jazz? And, and as Chris said, it's, like it's really hard to parse out. And this is where it gets interesting in the actual MVP race – when we're coming down, you know, the stretch of the season and ballots go out and Chris and I are probably both voting and we'll be looking at the Jazz and they'll be sitting there with their best record in the NBA and their best net rating and everything else, we'll be going, man, don't they deserve to have somebody on, on the MVP ballot, which, you know, has five slots. And then you're going to say, but which of them is it? <laughs> and it's going to be tough. It reminds me to an extent of another team that I loved for its ensemble approach, the early 2000s Sacramento Kings, Chris Webber was the most talented player and I think was in, in a lot of ways the most indispensable on that team and it, just a phenomenal player. And, and Webber did so much for them, scoring and rebounding and passing, everything. But even the year like they won 61 games in 2001-2002, Chris Webber, I was just looking this up, he finished seventh in the MVP voting that year. And I think, I think 61 games, I think, that was, I think they had the best record in the league. But it was hard to parse out how much of that was Chris Weber versus Vlade versus, you know, Stojakovic, Bibby. Like, Weber was the best player, but they were viewed as kind of an ensemble of cast that, that produced their, their dominance in terms of their win total. And maybe that's a loose analogy for this team also. It, it's that the Jazz are, are, you know, could very well finish the season with the best regular season record. But they don't have you know, somebody with the gaudy stats that, that Giannis had the last couple of years and that Harden has had or LeBron has had, and it's going, to be, it's going to be hard to reward them in that regard. I think Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert will both end up getting MVP votes of some sort, somewhere on the ballot. I don't know that anybody will put them at the top, even if the Jazz have the best record, because neither of them is so individually dominant in the, in the traditional sense that we view it that they can make the case. I could be wrong, but that, that's, that's my guess as we sit here in February. Howard, I'm not sure whether the guys have it written into their contracts as far as getting some huge bonus if they were to win the MVP, but when you watch the team play, they play like they don't care. They play like they're, they're really they're, – it's legitimate. Their number one goal 
is to make each other better. And I know this sounds like 100 Acre Wood and it's all sweet and everything, but that's the way they play. I mean, we keep looking for any kind of crack in that, and that that is really the strength of what they do. If they move the ball and if somebody is open, they encourage all the guys encourage them to take that shot, and it's not like, hey, man, I need to get my 30 tonight. Yeah, no, and then most of the time the great teams have that, and even great teams that are that are led by superstars. I mean, I, I think, you know, you know that LeBron's going to get his, for instance, because he's such an incredible individual talent, and Kevin Durant was going to get his. But think about Kevin Durant with the Warriors. Steph Curry was a two-time MVP who invited Durant to come join him, and Durant was an MVP himself. You know, that was a team with four all-stars, and we could have said the same thing about them. No, they don't. They don't care about who scores. And some guys scored in huge amounts because they're just that talented. Durant and Curry, in particular. But I don't think we ever viewed the Warriors as a team that was like selfish. Anybody's trying to like just get their numbers. So the great teams, whether they're built that way as a as one of the you know most talented teams of all time, or whether they're built this way as the Jazz are, I think the best teams generally have that. And then occasionally you have the Shaq and Kobe fighting with each other the whole time. But. Uh, but most of the time, the, the great teams don't just have high-end talent, elite players. They also have a, a, enough guys who understand how to play their role, play it to the hilt, that, that being um, you know, selfless with the ball is really critical to them. I mean, I don't know how often we've talked about Jordan Clarkson um, in, in, in recent weeks uh, on this show, but like Jordan Clarkson was considered just kind of a gunner in, in other stops before he got to Utah, and he's been – brilliant there as you guys know and is you know a leading maybe the leading six man of the year candidate and i think we all view him very differently than we did when he was in cleveland or la howard beck is with us here on uh, 97.5 and 1280 the zone and i know we ask you about the nets all the time but uh, you know they're playing such great offensive basketball i know the defense isn't there uh, Gordon and I kind of did an exercise the other day where we tried to think of a, a championship team that didn't play any defense, and we couldn't come up with one. Can they play? Can they get enough stops to to really uh, threaten everybody else in the league? Or do um, they need to? Maybe I add that caveat. Yeah. Do they need to? Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 the more likely uh, way to frame it, or the, the more sensible is like, do they do they need to? And and you know, this is going to be the existential question for them. Um, can they play enough defense? Do they need to play enough? And like their their offense is just so incredibly efficient and so high powered now, and they're winning games without Kevin Durant even. And it makes you wonder if anybody can possibly hope to stop them. And it, it's it, it becomes the well if they just play average level defense and they're just you know otherworldly offensively, then maybe that's enough. And occasionally a team comes along and breaks the system, and they might be that team. Um, you know, I should note. Their their defense has been, you know, markedly better um, recently than than early on. It's still not good enough, but they're you know they seem to be kind of getting there. I'm I'm going to look it up as we talk as we're talking here, just for the month of February, and see where they're at because I I know it's been better of late. Um, but you know I've still yeah they're up to like 21st. They were like I think 29th 30th before, so they're getting there. I, I still think that. Ultimately, you need a rim protector, and not just well. Kevin Durant can 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 do some rim protecting. Like you know, you, there's only so much you want to put on his shoulders, and obviously he's hurt right now, so there's that concern anyway. Uh, if they can pick up somebody on the buyout market, if Javale McGee shakes loose in particular, I think would, he'd be perfect. I just don't know that there are that going to be that many options out there. 
and you know, a lot of teams are looking for reinforcement at center. You know, the Lakers are looking, the Raptors are looking, the Celtics are looking. So, uh, you know, there aren't going to be enough guys shaking loose for the, all those teams to fill the need. Howard, no way to prove this answer to the question, but the other day Jake and I were talking about the strengths of the conferences, the East and the West, and we've talked about that every year for as long as I can remember. But do you think this year the West is still head and shoulders above the East? Well, considering that the Memphis Grizzlies are ninth with a 500 record, and in the East the Pacers are fourth with a 500 record, and everyone else in the East has a losing record. There's only three winning teams in the East. <laughs> I mean, this is insane. I mean, as, as, you know, as much progress has been made in the East, they're suddenly incredibly top-heavy. Sixers, Nets, Bucks are all over 600 winning percentage. Everybody else is 500 and below. Like we just have a, a, a just a, a big mediocrity party going on in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, the, the Knicks are sitting there, you know, re, you know, relishing their breakthrough season, and they're a game under 500 still, but they're sixth in the East because the East is is you know a disaster after the first three teams. So now the West is still the stronger conference. Um, there's a lot of star power in the East now, and the it was weird because like the West is the better conference still overall in terms of team strength, but the East was the harder all-star uh, discussion because there were just so many worthy candidates, and in part because of all the migration. Harden had moved East, and you know Kyrie's in his second season in the East, but he missed most of last year, so he wasn't in the discussion. Durant was in the East last year, but he wasn't in the discussion because he wasn't playing. And so it just it, it, there's a lot of high-end talent in the East, but the teams overall, after the first you know three, are, are kind of meh. So let me follow that up with what Jake asked me. He brought up a great question. Why is that? I mean, it's been going on forever, and we've been asking ourselves that forever, and nobody's ever come up with a definitive answer, I don't think. It's it's a thousand different things. Um, some of it may have to do with, you know, where the desirable markets are or perceived to be, and so where guys have gone to free agency. A lot of it, you know, look – Success and failure in the NBA often tracks with the quality of ownership in front office. And so maybe it's just that there's been better, steadier ownership in the Western Conference than the East. Maybe there have been worse owners. <laughs> um, it's, it, but it, it's, I don't know that it's any one thing. You know, David Stern, I'll never forget, back in like 2000, 2002, Probably 2002 in that in that range after the Lakers had won a few in a row and the Spurs had won and 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 it was this you know you know All Star Week in her finals one of his press conferences Hey David why is the West so much better than the East He says Ah these things are cyclical it'll swing back the other way I remember in the 90s and it was the Bulls every year da 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 Well it hasn't been cyclical We're on like 20 something years here of the West being the clearly better conference It doesn't mean that the East hasn't won some finals Of course they have but on balance the West has been stronger and has had better teams um, year after year after year. And every year we think, oh, this is the year the East is finally catching up, and then it all seems to fall apart. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, like I say, I don't know that there's one objective reason why. Your theories were similar to ours, Howard. It yeah. seemed to, yeah, you kind of are on the same page we were. Uh, we appreciate it every week when you have a chance to drop by, Howard. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Howard. Thanks, guys. You too. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next week. Our friend Howard Beck. Uh, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, and of course, uh, 
plug for that podcast. He and Mannix, who, of course, joins us on Mondays, uh, do a podcast every week. We bushwhacked him with that, didn't we? With the with the what the the West uh, first East no the Chris Mannix oh 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 I think Austin I know gave him I know up, I, yeah. I was just joking about his yeah. response please no, I, I think I it get is. enough of him I, the more I think about it it's there are more well run more comma well run franchise in the Western Conference I think I think that's got to be the most driving factor don't you. I would imagine so. I mean, Howard Howard said there, you know, desirability of uh, locations of franchises is it really better in the West? I don't, I don't know. Quick uh, update for tonight's game: uh, Tyler Hero is going to be out against the Jazz tonight. He's got a hip issue. No decision made yet on Bam Adebayo's uh, status, as uh, apparently he's uh, warming up on the court now, but uh, still. Uh, nothing official on him, and I'm trying to. Here's his. Uh, he's dealing with a knee, so uh, he's got some knee soreness. The Heat have had a rough go. I mean, after the way they played in the playoffs last year in the bubble, I mean, a lot of people thought they were set up to continue on, and they just haven't had the health and the the, uh, the coordination, I guess, the organization to uh, really be as much of a threat. Uh, much better last year than what's happening this year.